Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 welcome back as we head into hour two this wednesday october 28 2020 strap on your seatbelts or get comfortable we have a story to tell you there was an article as i mentioned a listener here in uh, phoenix joe sent to me an article from the media medium.com by one candace mercer and the title is why i voted trump a coming out story And uh, this listener said, take a few moments and read this. Spend some time with it. It's long, but it's good. And boy, is it both. Candy Mercer, welcome to the Airwaves of Phoenix. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Seth. Uh, I am glad to be here and talk to you about um, my story. Uh, You are are probably the highest profile conservative I've ever spoken to. Uh, Well, (laughs) let it be a floor and not a ceiling, Candy. uh, Is Candy okay? (laughs) Is Candy okay? Um, I'm sorry, what was that? Can I call you Candy? Is that okay? Yes, yes, of course. Candy, um, I always ask first-time guests to tell me a little of their autobiography never has it been more relevant to the actual interview i want to do with you candy so tell us the audience a little bit about who you are and how you came to be doing what you're doing all right um i am 57 i am uh currently i i have been disabled for 20 plus years with fibromyalgia so i have chronic pain that's pretty serious I am an artist, writer, and activist. Uh, I I was originally a punk rocker, so I grew up being very anti-authoritarian. I also grew up in the Rust Belt and in uh, a a situation where I was being abused in many ways. So rebellion for me is sort of baked in, Um, and it kind of had to be or else I would be stuck in the Rust Belt in the trailer court, um, you know, being abused. So I've always had that in me. I I think for myself, uh, I am a college dropout, but I'm an autodidact. I have read 3,000 books, uh, mainly nonfiction. So uh, I'm also, uh, I'm bragging here a little bit, but I'm also like Mensa level. Uh, intelligence, oh, wow. and so uh, really bragging here. I'm, I'm intelligent and I'm educated, which is n- not necessarily the same thing. Yeah, and right. it's a very challenging right. place to be because yeah. it becomes easy to see through the lies and and when the hypocrisies and double standards start making themselves known. Um, I'm very sensitive them, to them, and I think that's why <clears throat> one reason I have lost the left is because I'm so sensitive to the abuse, and they have just become so abusive. Sure, sure. So let me uh, start it off this way, if I might. Um, you started your journey towards, if I, if I read your article right, you correct me, you started your journey 
uh, in opening your eyes to more of what the conservative message was after you published something about homelessness, correct? Yes, yes. Tell us about that. And by the way, for the audience, let me just say you are someone who you describe as having cried when the results of the 2016 election came in and you needed an emotional support group, right? That's where we're starting I not from. Not only needed one, I formed one. F- formed and, one, even uh, better. Right. <laughs> even better. Directed one. All right, so that's of where course, we're starting it from. it excluded a cis white man because yes, safety first. Yes, of course. Um, of course. Of so, course. yeah, yeah, my first, the first real cracks, well, you know, I my, the first cracks really were after the election where okay. I... I really set out, I'm a very curious person, I set out to understand what just happened. Mm -hmm. Because to me it was inconceivable. It felt like the country was committing suicide. Um, I needed to figure it out. I knew the country was not 50% racist. I just just knew that wasn't right. Right. But I didn't understand why the deplorable statement was so insulting. Right. So I read Strangers in Her Own Land, which really helped a lot. Uh, then I came across The Righteous Mind by Jonathan Haidt that described moral foundations theory, and that kind of set the stage. When I began writing about homelessness uh, in my town, believe it or not, you couldn't even talk about drugs as being a factor to homelessness. The narrative was so skewed toward kind of keeping everything secret and, and just playing up the the homeless you know, like the genuinely homeless people, like sure. people who who are down on their luck, you know. Sure. Someone who lost their job their and they lost the their home. The people who value yeah. being housed and versus the subculture of, of basically street people that has formed. Mm-hmm. And there was a real blindness to that. And, and um, when I started writing about it, just from my kind of ignorant perspective, just what I was seeing with my own eyes, uh, the pushback was so great. Um, it was it was really stunning, <laughs> honestly. Um, the first because time... you, Candy, if I might, because yeah. because you were trying to point to an underlying issue in the homeless community or in the homelessness crisis, which had to do with drug or substance abuse, right? That's where the you were getting pushback over that point, right, or, or over that observation. Yes, definitely. Yeah. That's where I think my piece helped shift the Overton window a little bit and break okay. that discussion open, because it's obvious to all that that the chronically homeless, the most vulnerable people that are living in these tent encampments, um, a great percentage of them have substance abuse problems. Yeah. Yeah. And... And it it just was like not being talked about, even though we have people, you know, we're a small city. We have people shooting up on the streets downtown. We have public masturbation relatively frequently and other nudity. Mm-hmm. Women are harassed at the parks. But it's kind of excused, like, like the behavior, if a woman got harassed like this in the workplace, the man would be fired. Of course. And... But if a homeless man harasses the woman in, you know, a park where she's very vulnerable, then the woman is like, hey, you need to have some more compassion. Yeah. Like, just, you know, don't be so classist. Yeah. And yeah. so 
there's a lot of stories of hypocrisy and double standards that led to my decision process. But that's what got it going, and and really that's what attracted uh, attracted conservatives to me. Uh, they started coming into my life because of what I was saying. You know, I didn't realize I was taking conservative positions. Right. Um, they just seemed like the intellectually honest position. At the at the at the same time that the conservatives are bringing you in to speak and talk more about what you wrote, your friends on the left, if that's the right way to categorize it, began to ostracize you more and more, right? Because you had broken you had broken through one of the myths, I guess, one of the societal or social problematic myths, right? Yes, yes, and it was stark and stunning, uh, the contrast. Um, the conservatives were welcoming Ian, you know, and wanting to talk to me and interested in what I had to say, and they didn't care about me being an atheist or your pet issue, a weed smoker, mm-hmm. uh, or other Oh, you've things. done your research? <laughs> did you do, You did some research on me? Okay. I did a little. Well, okay, fair enough. to be by one of my friends. Fair enough. You never know where your next coalition's coming from. Fair enough, Candy. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, well, well but I think it's also respectful, too. I mean, I, I you know. Of course. I mean, no, go ahead. Um, of course, of course. Anyway, back to what I was saying. Oh, yes. And so um, where it was... Not so much even on the homeless issue, where that was the activist community that really turned on me there. Uh But then as I started to hang out with conservatives and go to conservative events, I went to the big Lincoln Day dinner, which is our Republican fundraiser. Somebody sponsored me. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, it was Brandon Strzok speaking. Sure. And he got a standing ovation. Uh, I, I was ready to catalog the hate. You know, I had yep. my pen and my notebook under right. the table, and I'm right. like, okay, I'm going to write down. When I hear hateful stuff, I'm going right. to write it down. Right. And there just wasn't there wasn't any. I was stunned because I was stuck in the conservative, you know, uh, having grown up uh, during periods where there was, a, like, I grew up with the Spring of Life in Buffalo, where we had the, you know, anti-abortion protesters Oh, yes, coming sure, in. sure, sure. So you were, you were prepared for a, a certain scene, a certain, uh, a certain uh, environment in a, conservative, uh, in a conservative room at a conservative meeting, and uh, yes, the dog yes. didn't bark. I have to take a quick commercial break, Candy. Will you just stay with us a little bit? Uh, I've got to do the break, and we'll pick it up where you left off. Is that fair? Of course. Thank you. We'll be right back. We're talking to Candy Mercer. You can get her piece, medium.com, candismercer.medium.com. Her piece, Why I Voted Trump, a coming out story. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. It's a delight to have with us Candy Mercer, her piece at medium.com. Critical reading. Read it tonight. Sit down and read it. Why I Voted Trump, a coming out story. And we're going through this story uh, piece by piece. It's important. Candy, thanks for staying with us. I have a short question, and then I want to open it up for a longer part if I can. Quick short question that dawns on me, because you started when you this journey in writing about homelessness and being welcomed to conservative meetings to speak on that issue. Candy, were you surprised, and is it a, um, is it a theory of the left? Is it a, a thought of the left 
that conservatives don't care about homelessness. Was that something in and of itself that started to open some of your eyes? Well, you know, there's a lot of misperceptions about conservatives on finding out. Um, and that is one of them. But they, there is such a, gosh, I almost want to say, use the word omerta. Uh-huh. around the issue that you can't critique it. And if you say anything to critique the handling of it, um, you're, you're called a hater. We have a group in Olympia called Olympia Looks Like Curse Word. Uh-huh. And we're, you know, we're called an outright hate group. Uh, it's, I think it's like seven or 9,000 people strong right now, which in a metro area of 100,000 people says something. You bet. Uh, so the, the thing is people, people have these feelings, but they're afraid to say them. They see what they're seeing with their own eyes too, but then they're being told that compassion looks like this. Compassion means X, Y, and Z. Whereas sometimes as parents know, compassion means having some boundaries and setting some standards of behavior and conduct. Yeah guardrails and um you know that's to the betterment of everyone and so yeah i think there is definitely that misperception uh and i know i was suspicious you know i was just reflecting on this uh a couple days ago uh when you know there's uh, compassionate conservatism you know bush two and a thousand points of light i remember being very cynical about those those things Mm mm-hmm and, uh, and, you know, I wonder, I'd like to revisit those and, and see, you know, what was going on with that. Candy, that represents kind of the next stage, doesn't it, of your story, though, in, 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 in a small sense, because I love how you put this. Um, you, a hardcore atheist, found out you were in a fundamentalist cult. In other words, there were things you could not say in the movement you were Former, formerly or, or part of, right, for most of your life. There were things you just could not say, right? Yes, and I, I started researching cults specifically because I was recognizing these traits. And, you know, there's no leader. That's the only thing that, you know, technically it's not a cult because there's right. no leader. Right. But if you look at the checklist of all the other things about social control, separating you from your old world, you know, and breaking off relationships. Uh, and, and and now as I'm finding out what happens to you when you leave, I my therapist has no idea how to treat me or talk to me about this. There's no one on the staff at Kaiser Permanente that works on deprogramming. Yeah. So I've gone like on ex-Mormon and ex-Scientologist websites to see what they have to say, and and the experience is very similar. Mm. I mean, 90% of my community has has cast me out. You said you've been shunned by activists, comedians, fellow gamers. You've never had a turnover like this in your life. No, you know, except moving cross-country. Yeah. Um, you lost, and friends. that's what's so so stunning is how it was done on Moss. Um, that they just kept falling. I I would get anxiety opening Facebook Messenger because sure. like who you know, especially if it was someone I hadn't heard from in a while. Like oh, you know, some broke up with me on Facebook. Some a couple over the phone. Some in Messenger. Some publicly. 
you were targeted too. Let's be. You were targeted. You were targeted too. Antifa put you on a hit list, so to speak. Yes, there's an article on the Puget Sound Anarchist website on uh, strategy and tactics in Olympia, um, how how to fight um, creatively or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they talk about how Olympia is a small town and they only have a few opponents that are speaking out against them. And if they can find a way to, quote, unquote, creatively silence uh, even one of the people that speak out against them, that will make a difference mm -hmm. in their in their you know propaganda. Sure. And then they list about ten ten or twelve different uh, social media sites, specific web pages, et cetera, uh, and things like city council meetings. Mm -hmm. And they said, you know, watch these. So basically, they set up a list of places for them to like stalk for people for information for them to use to silence. And one thing I've done is I've gone before city council meetings and read Antifa anarchist literature mm -hmm. at city council meetings. They write about downtown and how they want to keep it ugly and how they take gleeful joy in the destruction of downtown. So I will go to city council meetings and read segments of their primary source text, and they do not like that. No, I imagine That's they meant do. for internal use only. Right, right. Again, the cult aspect of this thing. So well, I'm going to yeah, keep they're you... a sub. They're they're like their own. Their own. The enforcement wing. The yeah, the enforcement wing of the cult, perhaps. I'm going to keep you a little while. Yeah. I have a break in another few moments, but Candy, mm -hmm. I want to ask you this, if I may. You said your vote for Donald Trump was at first a vote against this authoritarian left that you have now egressed from and seen what it stands for. Um, and then you go on to say, but beyond that, Trump actually earned your vote. I wonder if you can just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I'll honestly say that he, he earned my vote. There's never been a candidate before where obviously I was so skeptical and and turned around to like that candidate. You know, I didn't get on board with Reagan. I didn't get on board with Bush. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my vote was always automatic. Mm-hmm. And and so yeah, he 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 did. And you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend to love him. I'm not gonna love everything he's done or said. Or you know, his method is not candy style. I prefer a more you know velvet velvet. Oh, velvet I'm going to guess there are no two people more different. Perhaps <laughs> I mean having not met either of you, I, I, I'm just based on what I I know. I'm going to guess there are no two uh, socially, culturally, or personally different people except for the thing that counts, Candy. I'm going into a break, and this sets up the next okay. point. Except for the thing that counts, which is mm -hmm. the brain and the thought, because you blew me away with the sentence I'm going to read to the audience, and then we'll come back on the other side of this break and have you explain it. When okay. Donald Trump signed the executive order banning federal funds for racist critical race theory trainings, I knew I had to vote for him. I want to pick mm -hmm. up on that with you, Candy Mercer, when we come back. We're talking to Candace Mercer. CandiceMercer.medium.com. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Delighted to have uh, staying with us Candace Mercer. Candy is an author at Medium.com. Her piece, Why I Voted for Trump, a coming out story. Candy, you said that at first you uh, voted uh, for Donald Trump as a, as a bit of a rebuke to the authoritarian left you were leaving. But then when you saw him take on critical race theory, you knew you had to vote for him. Talk to me about that. Yeah, yeah, and and we must give props to um, Christopher Rufo with the Manhattan Institute. You know, it's Christopher Rufo who has been covering this issue and and working on it and publicizing it. And him working on the issue got Trump's attention, I believe. This Mm -hmm. is how it happened. Mm -hmm. Trump saw Rufo's work and said, you know, I have to ban this, you know, Mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever – Whoever saw it, and they did the policy, the executive order, and uh, yes, I have seen how divisive and just horrible. You know, I'm in Olympia. I saw Evergreen up up close. Mm-hmm. Um, I had my first struggle session in 2010. You know, there were no words for it then, but uh, uh, at that point. Our, you know, our crimes were microaggressions, tokenism, and cultural appropriation. Mm. Um, we had to apologize, of course, and our penance was to take uh, anti-oppression training from mm. Evergreen professors. Mm-hmm. And then those same Evergreen professors, when they were faced with real oppression, when the mobs were coming after Brett Weinstein and Heather Hyang, those same professors, when met with real uh, real oppression, uh, were completely spineless. They they stood down. None of them spoke up against the mob. Um, that was a real wake up call to me too. You know, I talk about the hypocrisy and double standards yeah. for all their talks of freedom and and, and anti oppression. They let that mob uh, attack those people. They were uh, Brett and Heather were run out of town. They it was no longer safe for them to live in Olympia. One of the aspects to this that I am gathering uh, helped move you on this issue was something that a lot of America used to coalesce around, which was the notion. Maybe I started the interview somewhat this way earlier in the hour. The notion that the only thing that really does matter is our is our mind, our our brains, our humanness, our humanness, our humanity, our humanity. What does not matter, or what should not matter, I guess I should say, is something as random and unpredictable and un and nothing we have any control over as race. Race should not yeah, dictate I, thought. I mean, I was born in 1963, so I grew up during segregation and forced busing. Yep. I did not really realize until this year, you know, during this entire reckoning period, how much I had internalized uh, Dr. King's messages, like right. how much they were a part of my life. Uh, you know, just the full commitment to nonviolence, uh, the full commitment to having moral authority in your activism. Um, you know, nowhere in anti-oppression training do they, you know, allow for slur calling and bullying. I miss, I missed that chapter in the book. And so I don't 
what what's astounding to me is the complete lack of self-awareness that I'm seeing really good people, you know, people I know, I love, I respect, and they're turning ugly in real time before my eyes, you know, on so many issues, the mask, mask shaming, um, you know, the, the vote shaming that you, you have, you know, that if you're voting Trump, it's a shameful secret. I know, I know spouses that aren't telling their other spouse they're voting Trump. And like, wow, that's where we're at. I, I reject this. I just reject it. It, it. When you say you missed that chapter about slurs, I gather you mean because of all the slurs and slings and arrows you took from the left, correct? Well, yeah, and I mean everyone. Yeah. And, you know, it's incrementalism is what it is, Seth, is, you know, you first you start with the slurs to dehumanize your enemy. Yep. That, that paves the way, you know, to to treating them as less than human and disappearing them the the totalitarian regimes uh the word for it in totalitarian regimes is to disappear people candy my last break with you if you don't mind i want to come back on a much longer segment and we'll we'll get to the rest of the story it's a great story candy mercer i appreciate your time thank you very much we'll be right back with more from candy candacemercer.medium.com Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. If you want to boost your health, boost your energy, boost your immunity, you want balance of nature. It's the only supplement I take. I take it every single day, just once a day, and I get 10 servings of 31 different fruits and vegetables, tens of thousands of nutrients. I've been taking it for a year, almost over a year now. haven't been sick once. It is a great product. I can't say enough about it, and they have a great deal right now. Uh, which is a deal that offers you free shipping and 35% off your first order of their fruits and veggies. Give Balance of Nature a call at 800-2468-751 or go to balanceofnature.com and make sure to use discount code BALANCE. You'll be so glad you did. We're talking with Candy Mercer, who writes over at the Medium, or medium.com, I should say, and her piece, Why I Voted for Trump, a coming out story. Uh, Candy, a question for you. Um, you 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 proudly supported, uh, voted for Donald Trump. Um, you did so in the face of your entire biographical history on the left. Do you describe yourself today as a still a member of the left, or do you now describe yourself as a conservative? Well, you know that's very complicated. I, I thought it I, might be. I thought it, I, reading reading your piece. I have to tell you that question kept kept coming up, and in a way, it doesn't matter. But it goes to a philosophical thought that I thought you might have an interesting take on. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, in the end, it is just a label. Right, I do not right. feel I have changed. Um, if that's, anything, I've recommitted to the core values. That that's what I thought. That's what. I, yeah, that's what I thought. Talk so, to us. Talk to us about that. I feel at this point um, the best place for me to be is nonpartisan. And I choose that because, to me, that indicates that I'm willing to go where the ideas are. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't have a way to 
uh, register in our state. We don't register Democrat or Republican. I would have changed my registration to Republican uh, to send a message. Mm -hmm. I really don't feel a home at the left anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're not, um, it's not a good place to be. Uh, They don't want me there. Uh, They've been mean to me. Mm-hmm. You know, so to go back to them at this point after the level of, you know, emotional abuse, that I mean, it, it was traumatizing, honestly, and disorienting. Um, to go back to them, it'd be like going back to an abusive spouse. Yeah, I, think- I, I pick that up. You write that well. You do that very well in your piece. Um, and... What's interesting to me is what you said. I I suspected you were going to say that your values didn't change so much as uh, the champion or the party of the champion that espouses them or defends them is new to you or has changed. You you write that... um, You write that uh, your core values of community, inclusion, care for all, freedom, fun, and rational thinking, subversiveness and rational thinking that's where the conservative movement is, and it ain't where the left is today, right? Yeah, and I think the conservative movement right now, if, if you can rebrand yourself, and I think there's there's a place for big moves to be made. I think the conservative movement can seize the moral high ground. Um, they do that by being nonviolent, by doing decency, by by showing through their actions, you know, showing up, um, you know, I, I like Scott Pressler. Scott Pressler is a great example of Huge. what I'm seeing, yeah. the dynamism yeah. on the conservative side that's drawing me and people like him. Huge. So Huge. I think by, by, by showing up, um, by pushing back, you know, uh, my... My greatest thing is I think if you are a sane and decent person right now, you should run for office. Um, you should you should consider it your duty to run for whatever office you can handle, whatever big, small. Because if you don't, they're going they're going to take those offices. I'm seeing it here. Uh, the West Coast is the trendsetter for the rest of the country. I've lived here long enough to know that whatever happens here is going to spread. And the rapidity of the mainstreaming of critical race theory and these other concepts this summer was was absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. I never thought it would happen, much less that quickly. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, that you people really do have a civic duty right now to step up. Um, in Olympia, we, we've been working underground a bit. Uh, we have four seats in our council race coming up uh, next year. So if we could flip the Olympia City Council, that would be stunning. And this is one of those races where it has a tremendous return on investment. Sure. Seattle races cost millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Olympia could be won for under half a million easily. It may be even like two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and we we could outspend, and a, a party, a group of rational, decent people could do it. And being that it's the Washington State Capitol, I think uh, you know we Olympia has tremendous influence that way. 
plus it would send a message of like rationality to the rest of the world that regular people have said enough that the silent majority is finally not silent anymore and i think this has to be a nationwide thing i'm not just pitching my project no i think you're singing my song people ask me what they should do i tell them run for run for school board we used to have bumper stickers think globally act locally that's where it starts and by the way city council for you great uh, school board is my thing because I think we, we the schools are, are, are where so much of the cultural turn is taken. Candy, I just want to thank you again. I know you did this interview uh, uh, with certain challenges uh, physically, and I appreciate it. I, I, just, I just have one hope that if you ever do a list, as you did in the column that attracted my attention, of who all the cool kids are, I hope someday you'll add me to it, Candy. Well, this is a very pleasant experience. I, you know, I would love maybe after the election when things calm down to debate the weed issue with you. Okay. Okay. Uh, I live in Washington State, which is legal. World hasn't ended. Okay. Things are great here. We're raising lots of money. There's no black market. Okay. All right. Medical patients are getting taken care of. So I'd be interested, honestly, to hear your opposition because it is a little foreign to me. Perfect. I love the idea that you're open to the discussion. Get in touch and we could do that. That would be great. I think it would be wonderful for the audience to hear, too, Candy. Thank you very, very much. Yeah, I think we could have a very adult conversation about it. Clearly, (laughs) clearly, clearly. Candy Mercer, thank you and welcome. Okay, you're welcome. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Take care. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. I've never done an interview like that. That was something else. If you are thinking about selling your home or in the midst of selling your home, let me give you a real estate you may not have seen the likes of before. James Wexler of JMG Real Estate. The Phoenix Business Journal ranks James the number one selling individual agent in Arizona. Guarantees to sell your home at market value or he will pay the difference can also make you an upfront guaranteed offer within 24 hours. Never any risk to you. James will let you out of a contract at any time. I have friends who have used James, and they sing his praises as I do. Give James Wexler a call at 480-386-0711 or visit him online at jameswexler.com. That's jameswexler, W-E-X-L-E-R.com. Do we have Rob in surprise? Hi, Rob. Well, hi, Seth. Can you hear me? I can. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Oh, good. I didn't hear the beep ahead of time. Um, well, first of all, Candace Meyer was great, I, and I did read her article. Um, what I think I got the most out of it is that she woke up and realized that it's the left that hates and uh, denigrates people. So I think she got it, um, and that's that's. I love thing. you know. You just just spend a little time with us. You know, I loved what she wrote. We didn't get into it. I don't think. In our interview, but there's a line in her piece that I really liked. She said she went to Dennis Prager for the hate, and she stayed yeah. for the calm, decency, and reasonableness. Exactly. What they think they know about us, they don't know about us. You know, not no, Candace don't. now, but the left. That, yeah. that was that was very clear with uh, Candace in her previous life. Yeah, uh, before she uh, saw the light, I guess. 
Yeah. Um, and, and it sort of ties in where I was originally t- going to talk about my optimism about the election, because I think what we're seeing now, despite all the obstacles, is more of a rebirth of American common sense. And I think it's because uh, people are starting to realize that they've been lied to by, you know, the media and academia and so forth, or mis- which misrepresents, misleads most uh, most Americans with common sense. And uh, when I, you know, as the next military guy, um, when I look at, you know, the issues of war and peace, um, Trump has obviously gotten us out of things and hasn't started any wars. Right. And I, I believe that, you know, the whole issue really is that our side knows best what is in our national interest, which I think those with common sense already know. Mm-hmm. Um, and the eggheads who have been, you know, in charge for so long uh, have lost somewhere along the line because they're nearly wrong about nearly everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you think about uh, our national interest when it comes to war and peace, when it comes to trade or taxes or the economy, common sense will tell you that uh, and it's mostly in the middle class uh, that that uh, the, doing the right thing isn't rocket science. That's right. And that it needs to be, uh, I guess, common sense needs to be rediscovered. No, again. you're right. It's the problem, Rob. I've said it, and I've said, I'll say it again, and, and you're on to it. Common. The problem in our society is that common sense is no longer in the mainstream. That's the problem. Common sense is no longer in the mainstream. I've got Wilford Riley coming up, Professor Riley, great, great professor, on why woke history is not the answer. Be right back. 